On this episode of Athletic Training Chat, we have Tommy Pittman, who is an industrial athletic trainer slash injury prevention specialist, and that is what we talk about a lot on this episode, is just what exactly that means, how the nuances of it work with OSHA, and everything around it. There's been a little chatter about injury prevention specialists and where that fits within the realm of the athletic trainer skill set, and Tommy does a really good job of kind of breaking down what that looks like and how different things happen around there we do talk a little bit about this injury prevention specialist role as there was some news coming out about major layoffs at one major tech firm that may have resulted in some athletic trainers losing roles in that injury prevention specialist Uh, after we recorded tommy reached out said that they had an opening that he had a lead on so if you are impacted by that he said please reach out to him Uh, he'd happy to connect with you and see what could happen there please look for his contact information on the episode website or in the show notes Uh, linkedin seems to be the best place to get a hold of him as always we are powered by mueller sports medicine all kinds of good things coming out from them reinventing some ankle support uh checking out you know things for next year looking at the recovery tub to make sure you're ready for the heat as things get going and also their new revive system for pneumatic compression be sure to check that out but without further ado Please enjoy this episode. Welcome to this episode of Athletic Training Chat. We are on today with Tommy Pittman, who I connected with on Twitter. Uh, he reached out after I had been on an episode of the Sports Medicine broadcast and just kind of chatting back and forth. Uh, saw he was in the role of injury prevention specialist slash industrial athletic trainer. And I had seen some other stuff kind of popping around on Twitter at the time about that injury prevention specialist role, which we'll talk about and define. And is that truly being an athletic trainer? Where does that fall within scope of practice and how that all balances out? So I asked him if he'd have some interest in responding uh, or just having a conversation about some of that to shed some light on it, really, just to get a more inside track on what the difference is, if there's a difference specifically in the um, job that he has. Um, I know, I think I saw, I haven't heard a confirmation on it, just with some a big tech company who has had some injury prevention specialists having some layoffs. There might be some people that have lost their job, so uh, just reaching out to them. Uh, hopefully there's something else we can find, they can get to to get back into the game quickly and hope those all return because I'm sure they were invaluable. Other than that, Tommy, I wanted to turn it over to you, fill in a little bit of your background, and then we'll just kind of jump in to what, you do and kind of the broader discussion and go from there oh yeah for sure so uh yeah my name's tommy i uh yeah from georgia originally now reside in north carolina in between kind of greensboro and the raleigh areas uh graduated 2018 my bachelor's in athletic training from georgia college go bobcats as always gotta always rep them uh let's see Right after that, when got my master's there as well, spent two years as a research assistant and doing PRN roles with uh, like different high schools, colleges in the area. And then about my last semester of grad school, 
reached out to industrial setting with a part-time position, traveling an hour or two away, one day a week, which man, I don't miss waking up at 3 a.m. to do that. I uh, yeah. uh, and then around the time of when COVID first happened, got laid off from that because no one was allowed inside any facilities. And then that position kind of went away. Company reached back out to me around August of 2020, said, hey, we have something open in Atlanta with a major distribution type company. And I said, sure, yeah, I'll do that. So backed up, moved to Atlanta, worked that role for about close to nine months, and then had an opportunity arise to do an internship with a nonprofit for a summer in a medical role. So I actually left the profession for about a year and a quarter, so about 15, 16 months to work in this role. Summers was the medical person on site with, as an EMT, had to get my national registry for that. And then, uh, and then worked in various roles there, came back, well, got really interested in being back in the industrial setting again. So reached out and got a position offered to me with a company called Accelerate Therapy and Performance, a clinic based out of Salisbury that has this injury prevention specialist role in different areas across the country. It's really funny how I got the role. Just pretty much had an interview for a backup position and then told them, you got anything in the Carolinas? And they said, yeah, we might get back to you. And then got offered the role a couple weeks later. So been in that ever since. Funny how those things work out. Yeah, all the time. Just connections on connections. <laughs> so uh, the first question I had, and you can kind of share some of the nuance um, with it is, you know, the injury prevention specialist in quotes as its own role, which based on your job might be different than some of the other ones with, again, that large tech company that most people probably know what I'm referencing, but we won't shout them out too much versus, you know, the quote unquote industrial athletic trainer. If you see a difference in that or kind of from your understanding, you know, not having been in that other role, but maybe how it can utilize an AT's skills, but not actually be practicing as an AT. If you could shed any light that you have on all of that, that would be fantastic. Right. So as far as I've, because I've kind of operated in both roles a little bit, yeah. just doing some part-time stuff. It's from what I've seen, it's the same thing. Just I've noticed with injury prevention specialists, a lot of times, uh, at least companies I've worked with hire other allied healthcare professionals than just athletic trainers. Some companies will hire just athletic trainers. Okay. But a lot of the same responsibilities I've seen see one of the main ones or main things probably uh yeah big similarities with the amount of stuff i can do in regards to osha responding to injuries mm -hmm. and his evaluations because technically as an injury prevention specialist i'm not operating under my athletic trainer license okay in a way so i'm responding mostly as first aid per se I don't remember if I had this in the kind of the questions, but um, you you also referenced. Oh, I did. 
um, kind of those OSHA guidelines are going to bypass one other one. Um, you know, what are some of the advantages or disadvantages or limitations? So backstory on my own, like we're trying in kind of a multiple facets here. We're trying to do some work with the local fire department. We've been approaching that as a kind of tactical performance training thing from a strength and conditioning side, more focused, but doing some um, movement screening and some other like testing around it for research purposes. So all kind of within that scope, but then also an opportunity is potentially come up to work with a local industrial company to do soft tissue work on them. Um, the specific kind that they've utilized other places that has some different things. And I've learned very little about OSHA in that regard, but like massage and soft tissue work seems to fall under first aid, which I thought was fascinating. Um, and so you, you have some, there's some interesting kind of like wiggle room there and we're still trying to get some other clarifications, but if you could kind of talk about some of those and just, you know, the advantages of being that injury prevention and falling under OSHA versus maybe practicing under your full scope as an AT. Right. So it really comes down to a lot of times the type of injury is what I've noticed. Okay. So kind of not really just OSHA, but in general with a workplace, you have considered work-related injuries and non-work-related. So work-related, good example would be uh, a lot of times low back injuries happen. So someone picks something up, like, ow, my back hurts from that. That would be considered a work-related injury, and then it would follow kind of with OSHA guidelines and first aid in response to that, which OSHA first aid essentially is like, hey, anyone can do this. It doesn't have to be just a healthcare professional okay. in OSHA terms. <laughs> That's what they're saying, which still a little confused as how massage falls under that a lot of times, but I'm not going to argue it. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So with work-related type injuries, there's a whole list OSHA has of uh, things like taping is very good. Any type of soft bracing or compression. So nothing with kind of like hard metal in it to stabilize. Sure. Uh, gosh, what else? Massage is one. Different type. There's kind of a gray area it can be with different types of stretching and range of motion exercises I've noticed. So it has to be, can be considered a warm up. So people that do like pre stretches at work. Okay. Things along those lines is given by the company as like a general guideline to do. So nothing very specific. So, and it has to be accessible by everyone. So in the facility I'm in with ATP, we have a big poster up with diff- in different parts of the facility with exercises, uh, stretches, range of motion, some different body weight, body weight strengthening. It's like, Hey, you can do all of these. And <laughs> it's like, and you could tell, you could tell someone that when you're seeing them, like, Hey, here's some, this entire guideline of stretches. I'm not going to tell them to do these certain ones for their sure. <laughs> back injury, but I would probably say maybe you would want to focus on these a little bit more. <laughs> so it can't be prescriptive if you will right. in no terms of that, that that's kind of where we've found that gray area too as we've been just trying to iron out details so I, nobody overextends right and then of course that even gets into more documentation purposes as well especially with a work-related injury yep uh, there's osha does there's so, certain words osha doesn't like to see so 
One is mainly the word injury. And then pain's another good one. And anything that would kind of sound more, I guess, medical wise, some companies are okay with listing body parts. And then another one I've done part-time work with uh, has said like, don't even get too specific saying like lats, <laughs> just say anything mid lower back type. Deal. Sure. Uh, and then, so kind of to counter, it's kind of like learning a new language almost. So instead of saying injury, I'll say discomfort or instead of pain, it's like they're having fatigue. It's, it's really interesting to hear you say this because as we've been working with our health counterparts within our clinic system, that's what he always says is everything he approaches and he does it, I'm sure from the OSHA standpoint, but he's also found it to work good with uh, patients and just how they grasp on is for him, it's always fatigue and discomfort, fatigue and discomfort. It's never any of those other words, um, which I find fascinating that I'm hearing the exact same thing from you. It, it is, it is pretty, it is fascinating. It's so, cause I catch myself speaking in it too. Sure. <laughs> at the time. And it's just, it's so crazy. The whole, everything in the safety world is very laid out with a lot of stuff and trying to maneuver and figure things out. But Oh, even back to my original one. So that's kind of the work-related side. Yep. And there's a limited scope of stuff you can do with that in regards to responding to an injury, I would say. Because the main goal is to, you want to try to prevent it from becoming an OSHA recordable to an extent. If someone's really hurting, like, hey, I fell and or even lifting that and they're like, hey, I have numbness in my foot now. It's like, okay, maybe you have a disc herniation and you should right. get seen or something like that, which is totally fine. Uh, they'll probably come back with restrictions or something from the doctor saying they can't do this, which turns it into an OSHA recordable. But gotcha. Some, some battles you're, you're just not going to win. I've so, understood that. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it happens in every part of healthcare. And then the going from that work related side to non work related is really cool because technically in the non-work related role, I can work under my full scope of practice, Okay, which is say someone is playing basketball outside of work, sprains their ankle, comes in, it's like, Hey, it happened doing this. Sure. And then you can differentiate right then like, okay, this isn't a work related type deal. So trying to work with them, get them back to normal because technically by OSHA standards, if he says later on, like, Hey, it got worse from working. Then that could transfer to being work related, since work may injury yep, yep. that didn't occur there worse. So until then, I work under my or under the full scope of practice. So, giving different exercises, prescribing different exercises. Well, not prescribing, can't prescribe, but uh, anything along those lines. There are a couple things based on companies I've worked with they don't like to see as much. One is cupping. Okay. And then if your state allows it, some companies don't want dry needling just based on the liability of that. Sure. I can, I can understand that. Yeah. With so, cupping, there's more of a liability with like possible bruising and things along those lines. Right. Yeah. It's which will happen and what does that actually mean and how does the person respond, huh? 
Right. So, all in, well, it, which is pretty funny. I heard that because I'm like, I don't usually use those anyway. Right. So it doesn't really pertain to me as much, but I get what you're saying. And then, but yeah, so that's pretty much the non-work related role. But I think part of what I love more about the industrial setting more is the proactive approaches to things. Mm-hmm. Especially in regards to, well, first off, being on site, getting to actually be with and communicate with the employees regularly. A lot of times it's <laughs> people will say stuff to me, like complain about things. It's like, I can't help with that, but maybe I can find someone who can. <laughs> A lot of times it's venting. Sure. People sure. are working. Sometimes they get overworked. Sometimes something happens at work. So it's, <laughs> it's kind of like playing a therapist a little bit but not because I'm not giving them any advice. I'm just like, yeah, I hear you. That's, yeah, yeah. Man, Sometimes that's as much as people need. <laughs> exactly. And then a lot of times, especially when taking care of any kind of discomfort, many times it's just giving people some TLC. Too. Sure. So, but back to the proactive approaches, just a lot of things in regards to like ergonomics, especially with ATP. So a lot of, way I've heard by or ergonomics described is like workplace biomechanics. And I was like, that's mm-hmm. such a great way to say that. I'm gonna start using that from now on. And yeah, seeing how different areas of work could cause someone to have discomfort. Like a lot of people have wrist injuries in manufacturing because a certain drill they're using, it's like a trigger drill. So they're having to drill down like this with their wrist. Sure. In this certain position for eight to 10 hours a day doing a couple hundred times with that repetitive motion to it. And then it's like, well, what if we talk with the company and get them an inline drill? So they're just here in a neutral position the whole time. So getting success with things such as that, uh, that I talked about kind of pre-shift warmups a little bit, but yeah. Yeah. Implementing those. So people have kind of a dynamic warm up preventative stretching, things along those lines to try to keep workplace injuries from happening in the first place, which, yeah, it's pretty cool stuff. Not everyone follows them, of course, but is that not true for everything? Oh yeah. Um, kind of just to circle back to, you know, the title and the job of injury prevention specialist versus industrial athletic trainer does that really kind of come down to almost like company preference? Cause I could see like a company saying, we want to hire this injury prevention specialist, i.e. you're going to work under the guidelines of OSHA to make this fully, you know, work related type stuff you see where they may not want your role, you know, in that job to, you know, see the outside of work injuries, you know, which you may want to, but just based on demand or, you know, what the company's looking to kind of control or contribute, is that really what it seems like to come down for somebody, you know, somebody creating the specific title of you're only the injury prevention specialist versus you're the injury prevention specialist, but you also can do, you know, these other athletic training things versus just straight industrial athletic trainer that may also serve as an injury prevention specialist. Sorry if that doesn't make complete sense. You might have to repeat it a little bit. So <laughs> basically, so like from what you understood, from what I understood from you is in your role, you're allowed to basically, whenever it's an OSHA related thing, work based, as you said, 
you kind of do this injury prevention specialist role. Yes. And yeah, anything kind of so. proactive, but it sounds like within your job, you're allowed to see people and treat people if an injury occurred outside. Oh yeah. But that allows you your full scope in theory. Couldn't your employer be like, you're, you're not going to see people that sprain their ankle playing basketball. It's just going to be on anything here. And is that really kind of the key difference potentially? Possibly. I could see companies maybe doing that, but I know the vendors we work with. So like a company that ATP puts us on site with would rather us see non-work related injuries anyway. Just to I keep totally, I totally understand that for the cost savings and potential cost savings that I'm having to go and do insurance and the whole bit. But as far as the ones I've worked with, people are no companies ever said like no, don't see any non-work related injuries. Okay. Yeah, I was just trying to get a better feel because, again, I've never worked in an injury prevention specialist role. And, again, they were kind of a thing that was coming up with that tech company. But it was only, from what my understanding, it was just that was the job title. And I didn't know, you know, obviously you haven't worked that either um, from what you said. You know, did they have that same ability potentially or were they just wholly focused on that? Kind of under that OSHA guidelines, which then limited their scope of what they could do. Gotcha. I see what you're saying. So, all right. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of one of the questions, you know, as we see this job title growing, I think it, you know, that was one of the arguments that happened to see on social media is, you know, if, if it was truly just that, like you have to work within the OSHA guidelines, could that be a limiting factor for athletic trainers in terms of your scope of practice, which I could argue, you know, depending on your setting can really, it's setting specific, you know, I work in a sports med clinic, I don't get to do a lot of hands-on rehab, uh, that's just not part of the job description. I could st could do it potentially, but it just doesn't work within the framework. But uh, what are your thoughts on that? If somebody went more down that specific route, if that was limiting, or do you think, you know, with the skill set that athletic trainers have, that you're really set up to maximize that role, you know, with the prevention and all some of the other things you talked about? Yeah, I could, I could honestly see it both ways. How sure. people would say like, I can't, do my full rehab scope and all of that and of course in other settings like as a physician extender you don't really get that opportunity as much as well uh let me think what else but i also this is just my personal belief i've had times like this where you can kind of flex a creative muscle a little bit more sure if you have some limits based on you like that to where you're able to maximize the total part of the position and kind of, I don't want to say search for loopholes. That sounds kind of illegal <laughs> or legal jargon-ish. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Uh, operate on search. the edges of those gray areas. Yeah, right? operate on the edges of those gray areas and kind of search for solutions to make that position, I won't say more comfortable, but more like uh more like encompassing all parts of what we learned as athletic trainers. Sure. Kind of just to your role, you know, with a lot of people looking at different things in terms of, you know, quality of life and, you know, not 
just specifically compensation and hours and whatnot, but what has been one of the biggest maybe surprises or, you know, advantages that you've seen working as an industrial athletic trainer slash what's been the most fulfilling, you know, you mentioned that you had done a lot of different things in your grad work, you know, just all over the place, you know, high schools, small colleges, but then kind of spent a lot of time now, most of your career in this type of role. So what, what have you seen there? Uh, Selfishly, probably the work-life balance. That's (laughs) fair. Biggest things. Uh, and salary wise, I'd say it's pretty decent. It's not lucrative like it would be in kind of the top 10%, but it's, I'd say it's more appropriate than some of the jobs I've seen posted. That's also fair. A couple of years. Uh, what else? Gosh, I just completely (laughs) lost my train of thought for a second. We can circle back and maybe it comes to you as we're going through. Um, did you have any like challenges personally in terms of like adapting your education and your skill set that, you know, we're classically trained, you know, in with the university setting that you work with the sports teams and, you know, athletics is kind of our wheelhouse and that's where the profession started. Did you have any difficulties or, you know, anything that you can provide insight and in kind of shifting that mindset and applying that knowledge to this industrial setting? Uh, definitely some challenges started out uh, when I, so I did a internship for a summer with University of Arizona and in an athletic trainer role. This is just like in 2017 as a student intern. Yep. And being able to see all those aspects of it and being able to take someone all the way through kind of the rehab of it and how I was able to write out programs it pretty much just given a lot of freedom and then circling back to starting that injury prevention specialist roller as a one company called it called it work strategies which was never really understood that but uh, <laughs> it's a whole different conversation and it uh, yeah, kind of. I felt I felt at that time it limited my scope a good bit as to what I could do, and kind of learning like trying essentially just learning a whole new book and set of rules and what can and can't be done. So adapting to that mostly was probably the biggest challenge to start with, and then also probably another big challenge was not everyone in a facility is going to want to talk to you or knows exactly what you do you tell them a couple hundred times and they're still going to be like oh you're just on the safety team <laughs> I, I can't tell you how many times people have said like oh you're the safety man I'm like, nope nope not that guy <laughs> i know that guy but i'm not that guy <laughs> that was actually gonna be one of my next questions you know just uh, again trying we're doing something different with this fire department but you get some people that are like yep let's do this this is great and then you got a lot of others that you know they're wholly skeptics of you know anything that's new and different um especially because we're you know they are required an hour of fitness as part of their work day that's ultimately what we were trying to come in and kind of impact have you found anything that's been useful i know you just you just mentioned you know i tell them a couple hundred times of what i do and they still don't quite get it but have you found anything that's broken through to some that you're finally there's like "Ah, i get it like you're actually really here to 
you know, help me and lend an ear and, you know, provide some guidance, um, anything that's worked well that you've come across. Definitely kind of keeping at it and going out and seeing the employees regularly. Uh, getting, those, more. Yep. getting those contacts, building up a rapport, just like we would with athletes if we got into a new school or something along those lines. And building up that rapport, but also showing what you can do. Uh, someone gets hurt and they're like, oh, I'm feeling better later on. Word of mouth's a great advertisement. Pretty Absolutely, yeah. People will start saying stuff, and it's like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go see Joel. I'm gonna go see Tommy if my leg starts hurting. Doesn't matter if I hurt it at home or not. I'm still gonna go see them when I get in tomorrow at work. Because I'd say that's kind of the beauty of it that people also enjoy, especially employees. Because if they get hurt, it's not, oh, I gotta go pay to see my doctor and pay a copay and run it through my insurance and all this. It's like, I got something free on site that the company I work for pays for. Yeah. I got to imagine that's a, you know, cost savings on both ends. And if you, that can be okay. the satisfaction bit, um, I've learned from the firefighters a little bit, they just tend to not go seek it out period. Yep. Um, in most cases, which I got to imagine you've run into as well. So then, you know, it's until it's getting too late where you could go, and even with a couple of them, just seen a few and you do some relatively simple things and you just saved them $120 at the local cash based PT or the chiropractor or whoever it may be. And that, that money talks as it does with everybody. Exactly. <laughs> People will respond well to having a couple more bucks in their pocket. Right. Yeah. Which it's, that's awesome, but it's also great to get kind of that because you get that trust built up even more yep. after something like that. So yeah. I, yeah answer, oh, go ahead. Answer your question, actions and keep seeking out people, even the ones that are mistrusting. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Keep trying to find somebody else that can be your bridge to that person. Oh, yeah. And then if you can find that one that's willing to kick over, that tends to bring the rest with them. Like you said, word of mouth being such a powerful thing. Absolutely. Anything that we didn't cover that you want to talk about, I'm just trying to go kind of through our list. I think we kind of hit on all the big topics, but anything else kind of in this industrial setting that you would like to highlight or share, um, you know, any misconceptions that you've seen people, uh, we kind of talked about that a little bit, trying to really define that injury prevention specialist role slash athletic trainer, but anything else? Uh, yeah, I would say, because I've heard and seen of this, I haven't actually done it yet, but in some uh, companies, if someone's had surgery or they've already had an OSHA recordable and someone's had an issue, but it's, they still have to go through therapy or something like that, some companies will just let the athletic trainer do it who's on site and go through the full rehab process, which is something that's also really cool. Uh, I know one company that was in rural Georgia, nearest PT clinic or doctor's office is an hour away, sure. <laughs> hour and a half away. And then they heard, oh, this guy's on site. He can do the rehab. <laughs> so 
just letting them go through that. And that's kind of where the fun stuff happens too. Cause I once yeah, heard absolutely. a story of it. I once heard a story about how, uh, was it the athletic trainer on site brought in like a putting green <laughs> and then him and the person that they were going through rehab just practiced putting for half the work day. <laughs> Interesting. They were working on proprioception. Interesting. That was, that's just a fun way to say they just wanted to play golf. <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree with you there on that one. Um, like I said, anything else that you would want to cover before we jump into the athletic training chat questions? I know future-wise in some facilities, there'll be kind of like a gym on site. So people have that opportunity to take care of themselves. And uh, personally, I see that as a good ground as injury prevention specialist or industrial athletic trainer, being able to kind of rein that in and kind of create programs along those lines. I have to see how that would work with OSHA, but I feel like it's more preventative than anything. And more proactive yeah, approaches. You, you want to talk about gray area. That's kind of what we were taking a look at, you know, with some of those things of like, hey, you know, if we did some soft tissue work and said, hey, you know, these would be kind of great exercises to help, you know, prevent, you know, type mm-hmm. of things. But here's some general ones, like you said, to, you know, on this specific body part, I could see you, you know, is that more of a work hardening type um approach prevention than it is necessarily prescriptive rehab Um, uh, from what you said in my little understanding of OSHA as long as they're not injured that's pretty much fair game um, because it's not going to be a reportable right that's the way I've understood it too and I'd kind of like to see that adapt into a role to where it's like because a lot of athletic trainers have their CSCS or yep CPT certification. So being able to kind of transition that into being preventative, but also people have like, I want to be able to get stronger so I can hold my grandkid right longer. Or hey, I got a basketball tournament or I'm running a marathon coming up. Which I think that's a very big area that could be expanded upon more. And then I will say one other thing that kind of just popped in my head thinking of that was uh, doing more kind of public health health promotion type things as well mm-hmm. with a company. So having health fairs or different types of health challenges, uh, a company called More Wellness Systems is big on that from what I've heard. They, uh, some of their athletic trainers will do different types of health challenges, whether it's a sit and reach and kind of do that through a six to eight week process and having that proactive approach like hey yeah these stretches will help get your hamstring flexibility and then someone whoever has like the biggest improvement oh you get this prize sure sure yeah be curious maybe that'll be our follow-up that we were talking about before offline if somebody gets going and how all that plays together that could be really interesting uh, jumping into the athletic training chat questions, where do you see the profession of athletic training going in the next five to 10 years? Well, let's see. I, I hope it continues or it keeps growing more, especially with different types of positions coming out like these, for one. 
And of course, with the quote unquote traditional settings, you know, they're all kind of the same thing. I don't really care to use that one as much, but uh, I digress. But uh, yeah, just kind of having these more avenues to move towards and not just being kind of secular in one area, like, oh, you just, you're on the sidelines of a sports team. No, there's more to it than that. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I think we could use a really healthy reboot of our marketing campaign and, you know, get away from focusing on pictures of taping ankles and, you know, putting ice and holding water, all of which have their place. We, a whole other argument, but like all of these other things, you know, the rightful. So the buzz around, you know, the emergency situation that happened in the NFL and, you know, that's not what anybody ever wants to have to do, but that's the quiet side of what everybody does prepare for. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Rather, rather need it or rather have it than not need it and need it and not have it. Exactly. If you can go back when you were a younger athletic trainer and if you could kind of set exactly when that would be, what advice would you give yourself? Ooh. don't worry you'll get through it you actually do have a clue what you're doing (laughs) even though even though sometimes it doesn't feel like you do that's fair and I think probably very relatable oh yeah what has been the most influential resource that you found in your career probably the different types of mentors and uh gosh, different clinical preceptors, things along those lines, and family also being one. Gosh, I'm going to sound like a Vin Diesel from Fast and Furious if I say that. <laughs> I'm just going to drop a meme of me. But, uh, yeah, I would say those for sure. Because uh, back when I was with Arizona, gosh, I need to find my notebook, but I had written down some things that, the guys there had told me directly one that kind of pushed that I look back may have pushed me a little bit more towards industrial after learning about the role, but it was, uh, gosh, going to name drop a little bit. It's Lanny Bradford. I think he works at NAU now as their head athletic trainer, but he told me one time, uh, I want you to be good at athletic training, but I also want you to be good at other parts of life too. So making me realize like, hey, this doesn't need to be all your life is about. There's there's other parts to it. And I kind of took that to heart and was like, okay, yeah, I'll run with that. Yeah, I like, I like that perspective on it. As an AT in your role, how do you take care of yourself? Well, lately, not as much, not as well, because I haven't been sleeping as much, but uh trying to find ways to sleep, decrease that burnout and try to make things kind of more new, I guess, a little more fresh. Okay. So, uh, yeah, one of those is uh, volunteering. So I volunteer with that nonprofit still in a different role. Okay. And being able to mentor to high school kids that way, adolescents and What's another one? I mean, even be able to just with the 
amount of time I have if I want to reach out in a PRN role and cover some games, which I've done already. Like there's time to do that and I don't feel as much, I don't want to say pressure because still there and still in case an emergency situation happens. But yeah, I'd say kind of trying to keep things fresh. Sounds good. If you could change or eliminate one thing, could be modality, common practice, mindset, or anything of your choosing in the athletic training profession, what would it be? Gosh, I hope people don't get offended with this. Uh, <laughs> it's always a good way to start an answer. Yeah. There's a, I know in times I've seen some big egos <laughs> from different students. So kind of, taking that and being like, hey, you're, you're not as big as you think you are in the head. Some people we are really big on that. Like be confident, but also don't be cocky about it, I guess. Totally like, agree. Great. Yeah, one's like, yeah, all right, you did better than me on this test. Great. We're still, <laughs> we're still both going to be BOC certified. The end of it, or certified by the BOC. There are a lot of really smart people out there that have a vast array of skill sets. And I think if you drop them in into almost any setting, they'd be able to excel just as good as anybody else in that setting. You just never know who those are. And so just, mm -hmm. yeah, to your point, just never think you're probably the only one that could figure this out and get it done. It's not to try and make yourself indispensable, but there's also a lot of really, really good people out there. Yeah. Uh, final question. What does being an athletic trainer mean to you? It means being someone that's there behind the scenes that a lot of times is considered a thankless job. That you're there because you want to be there, not because it look not because it looks incredibly like gonna get you above the stars. I like it. Short and concise, uh, but good. Um, as we kind of wrap up, if people wanted to connect with you, if they're interested in the industrial setting, what would be the best way for them to connect with you? Definitely on uh, LinkedIn. I think I use that more than any social media, which is weird. Okay. <laughs> I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have said that 10 years ago. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, right. I mean, if people did want to, connect on Twitter. I believe my handle's at 32 Pittman. And I want to say that's the same for Instagram too. People have an interest in following me there. You're not going to get much <laughs> uh, athletic training wise out of either ones, but you might see a, a dumb photo of me. <laughs> fair, fair. <laughs> all right. Well, we will link all of that up on the episode page, but um wanted to thank you for taking the time kind of shedding a little bit more light on you know the industrial setting and the injury prevention specialists that we're seeing kind of pop through and become a little bit more prevalent hopefully we'll continue to see more opportunities there but uh, yeah thanks for reaching out and thanks for connecting thanks for having me thank you for listening to this episode of athletic training chat with tommy pittman uh, injury prevention specialist industrial athletic trainer uh, tommy is been in that industrial setting and knows it very well as you can tell from this episode if you have any interest again in getting into the industrial setting uh, if you unfortunately may have 
lost your position as an injury, injury prevention specialist, please reach out to Tommy. He's got a potential lead. Definitely help out. As always, we are powered by New York Sports Medicine. I want to thank them for their partnership in our Thorough Lifeline program. Just by listening to this episode, you're supporting that through having to listen to one of our ads about starting your own podcast, which is still not a bad idea. But if you'd like to contribute more to that, help out an athletic trainer that just doesn't have the resources to make things happen, please check out clinicallypress.org and have the donate button. It'll take you to a secure site, give you a tax write-off one. So always a good thing there. Thank you again for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to be on and share your story, reach out to us at atc at athletictrainingchat.com. We look forward to hearing.